For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice, on guerrillas by night instead of armies by day. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources into the building of a tightly knit, highly efficient machine that combines military, diplomatic, intelligence, economic, scientific, and political operations. Its preparations are concealed, not published. Its mistakes are buried, not headlined. Its dissenters are silenced, not praised. Gentlemen, it is the first episode of 2019 over the line. Thank you guys for being here, as you're always so good at doing. Take a time out of your busy day, making your way through this nasty weather to hang out with us just for a few minutes. We definitely appreciate that. Excited about 2019 and what it is going to bring. Although it could really bring anything. Could bring a bunch of crap. Could bring some good things. Could bring us a border wall. Who knows? But we will see as we uh, go along. A lot of, uh, of cool stuff lined up for today. And I really want to start with this because this is the most... I guess, kind of recent thing. That is what happened on New Year's Eve. On TV in particular, because we talked about this. uh, We talked about this on Monday, I guess, New Year's Eve, about what would be happening on TV that night. Because it's so predictable. These networks that do... The big New Year's party, they're in Times Square for the ball drop and all of that. They're they're so predictable because they're starting to do the same thing year after year after year. And and 
I mean, I'm not saying that they've really got anything else that they can do. I mean, it's the same thing, the, the same ball drop every year. It's the same celebration, whatever. Uh, but they seem to fail to come up with innovative ways to to switch it up. And each year they seem to just get on air on their show and get drunk in front of the whole country, which just feels like a, a bad look. If you want to go out and drink on New Year's Eve, that's perfectly fine. I'm pretty sure we've we've all done it, and some of us still do it. But um, when you're on national television and you've got millions of people watching you and, and you've got children at home with their parents watching, you've got to be a little more cautious. you got to say, you know what, I'll do my celebratory drinking tomorrow and just bring in the new year during the new year. Now, these people, they don't feel like waiting whatsoever. CNN is notorious for it. We've seen them over the past couple of years just get absolutely smashed. We remember Don Lemon getting his ear pierced live on TV at a bar, uh, which was pretty disgusting and dangerous. Uh, This year on CNN, it involved Anderson Cooper, and I think he was with Andy Cohen, and they're taking shots at tequila, and Anderson Cooper's acting like a little girl, uh, as well as uh, plenty of other networks kind of uh, of doing the same thing. I want to play you some audio from that stuff. I'll I'll do that in a minute. First of all, I want to give you Donald Trump's One of his first tweets of the new year, I I was excited to see what he would say. So the first thing I did when I woke up on New Year's Day, which was probably like noonish, because I didn't get home till like 5 a.m. from doing Uber and Lyft, which I got some stories from that too I may share with you. Uh, This is the tweet, this is the first tweet I saw, and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. He put in all caps... Happy New Year to everyone, including the haters in the fake news media. 2019 will be a fantastic year for those not suffering from Trump derangement syndrome. Just calm down and enjoy the ride. Great things are happening for our country. And the reason I thought that was so great, because it's so true, and it's something we've been saying for so long, which is the things that Donald Trump's doing... And the, the, the policies that he's implementing, these are things that will benefit everyone. It'll benefit the people that love him. It's going to benefit the people that hate him. It's going to benefit white people. It's going to benefit black people. It's going to benefit immigrants and the like. It's going to benefit everybody. So you can get mad all you want. You can throw a temper tantrum as much as you want, but... If you do want a better life for yourself, those opportunities are being created. And you can take the bull by the horns whenever you're ready. You don't have to do it right now. You can continue to lay on your couch and throw yourself a pity party. And talk about woe is me and how bad your life is and how people are holding you down and your life's just awful. You can do that. That's fine. That's that's your right to do that. But whenever you're ready to hang that stuff up, and get after it, that opportunity is there for you. So go for it. Take advantage of it. And as Donald Trump said, sit back and enjoy the ride because it's going to be good. I'm excited for 2019. 
uh, I'm excited too, and, and this is going to sound weird. There's also a little of excitement surrounding the Democrats taking control of the House, not because it's going to mean good things for our country, but because of the entertainment value politically. And I'm not just saying that because it makes what I do uh, easier or it gives me more stuff to, to, to uh, you know, talk about. But it's just downright entertaining when it comes to Democrats because these guys are notorious for shooting themselves in the foot. And now that they've got control of the House, they can do that front and center. They can also prove to the American people just exactly who they are leading up to the next presidential election in 2020. So it's not all bad. Don't worry about it. We're going to be okay. Uh, outside of Donald Trump's first tweet, we also got a New Year's tweet from none other than Kanye West, which I was really excited about. Uh, if you recall, there was a bit of uh, drama towards the end of the year between he and uh, Candace Owens because there was this uh, this brand created, and, and I don't really know the whole story to it or what it all meant, but the, the, the Blexit thing which was like hashtag Blexit, which was basically black people exiting from the Democratic Party. That's what I understood it to be. Okay, so Kanye West had his name associated with it somehow, and he's like, I don't have anything to do with that, and I feel like I've been taken advantage of. So then he came out and he said, I'm not doing politics stuff anymore. I'm not talking about it. I'm not involving myself in it. I'm just... I'm backing away, and I'm going to concentrate on being creative. And it was like, oh, that's kind of sad, because the Kanye West stuff was really entertaining. Then New Year's rolls around, and he sends out this tweet that simply says, Trump all day. Also another tweet with three dragon emojis. <laughs> he said, just so in 2019, you know where I stand. From now on, I'm performing with my MF hat on, referring to his MAGA hat. Uh, he goes on to say, blacks are 90% Democrat. That sounds like control to me. They will not program me. Some of the same stuff he was saying last year. He's absolutely right about that. But uh, he's back to doubling down. And Kanye West may be bat mess crazy. He may be. He, he probably is. I've thought that for a long time. But even a crazy person can be right in some cases. And in this case, Kanye West is hitting the nail on the head over and over because control is people telling you because of the color of your skin, you have to believe politically a certain way. And if you don't, you're betraying your people. If you don't, you're intimidated. And you're forced into silence. And that's real racism. He also said that uh, he spoke with Joe Rogan and there is a podcast coming soon. I'm actually pretty excited about that because I really like Joe Rogan's podcast. Um, I noticed he, he posted a tweet sometime back in December and said, you know, I've been trying to do an, a serious interview with somebody about mental health, but all the press wants to do is talk about Donald Trump and, and bash me or whatever. He's like, so 
I haven't been able to to conduct that interview. And Joe Rogan retweeted it, and he said, hey, I'd be willing to sit and talk about that issue for as long as you want. And finally, apparently, according to this tweet, Kanye West has responded, and we'll be doing a a, a podcast with Joe Rogan. So that's going to uh, that's going to be entertaining. And even if you're not in the business of watching that podcast, that's fine too, because there will be plenty, plenty of of news articles coming out from that podcast. I am sure of that. What else? Oh, let me move over to NBC real quick. Okay, so NBC who did their New Year's Eve show. They had, uh, I think Carson Daly was the host. And y'all remember Carson Daly. Uh, for those of y'all that are my age, and he hosted TRL on, on MTV and all that stuff. That's really all I know him from. Uh, he was the one that hosted the New Year's Eve broadcast with Chrissy Teigen. Now, Chrissy Teigen is uh, um, a model, I guess. I've heard her name before. I don't know anything about her. But it's Chrissy Teigen and Carson Daly. And so they're doing their thing, and it's probably 15 minutes before the ball drops there in New York. And all of a sudden, this Chrissy Teigen starts talking about her vaginal steaming. And also posting a picture on the screen of her doing her vaginal steaming. Now, it wasn't anything too horribly graphic, but it was her sitting on, like, uh, what seemed to be a, I don't know, like a dehumidifier or something, and she had a towel over her lap, okay? But she went on to explain how this works and why she does it and all this stuff. And it was just, it was kind of weird, especially for NBC, who is, you would think, that's public broadcasting television. You, you can sit down and watch their New Year's Eve special with your kids or whatever. Uh, a lot of people thought that. And a lot of people weren't happy when that came on the TV. Here's some of the tweets that people sent out. Um... After that whole thing went down, uh, one person said, uh, Yo, NBC, that New Year's broadcast was trash. Expect nothing less, though. Another one, Okay, wow, really? My nine-year-old son does not need to hear about Chrissy's vaginal steaming. Please, God, someone resurrect Dick Clark. Another one, I'm embarrassed for America watching Chrissy Teigen talk about vaginal steaming. Way to help me ring in the New Year with my family. Turning it on Fox Now. Another one, and NBC showed a photo of said vaginal steaming. What the hell is wrong with you people? How is this family appropriate? I'm confused. Another uh, lady, Wisconsin Mommy, on Twitter, says, Just watch the NBC special. My children boys are now asking me what vaginal steaming is. Feeling horrifically disgusted. An apology is needed, and Chrissy needs to. So unbelievably embarrassed. Wow, this is a new low. Shame on you, NBC. Uh, another one, Carson Daly, you should make better choices for yourself. Last night's show was a train wreck. Chrissy Teigen is hugely overrated in the vaginal steaming thing. Kids stay up and watch these specials. Totally unacceptable and nasty. Now, so NBC is 
is dealing with that right now, but another part that they're dealing with is the fact that directly on the heels of the vaginal steaming segment, they completely missed the ball drop. And so people on Twitter are hammering NBC for not even showing the ball drop. The whole reason they're there, they got so tied up in vaginal steaming that they completely missed the ball drop. Imagine that. Poor Carson Daly. He's got to just hang it up. But that's not, that's not even the best. I like sneezed right there. I had to turn my mic off. That's not even the best part, okay? The best part comes from CNN, which is always fantastic content on New Year's Eve. Uh, this first one is Randy Kay, who is one of CNN's reporters. I, I can't think off the top of my head which reporter she is, like where she does the White House or the State Department or whatever. But she is at some sort of bar or club that has kind of a, a pool theme or swimming theme or something. Anyway, so she gets out there. Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen, who are the, the main hosts, they're doing a video thing with her, split screen. And she's talking about what she's doing there. And... Uh, uh, First of all, there's a little bit of a delay. The delay they had between them and, and each person that they talked to throughout the night was absolutely horrendous. It, it was hard to deal with. And I don't know if y'all are the same way, but for me as a, a radio guy, that two or three second delay in the silence that you have to deal with when that happens, it makes you want to pull your hair out. Nonetheless, here it is, uh, Andy Cohen and... Uh, Anderson Cooper, almost forgot his name, talking to Randy Kay as she's at this bar, this club, or, or whatever it's called, on New Year's okay. Eve. I'll pass it on. Fair deal? All right. All right, so on, an on another note, you want the dog? No, I'm holding the dog. On another note, you guys mentioned the bong that we used um, last year in Denver. Another important thing is she's sitting here holding a dog, and the guy that I guess works at this club is standing beside her, and he's trying to get the dog from her. And she's like, no, 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 I'm holding the dog, like she's a child. Well, you got us yes, thinking. I remember that so box. we decided, yeah, you remember. So we decided to get, here, if you could hand that over. Yeah, yeah. We decided, the captain is holding it for us, we decided to make a snorkel bong, a champagne snorkel oh, bong, cute. because that's what they would use here. Isn't that cute? And we're going to demonstrate it. We have Dave. That's so cute. One of the, the, the willing staff here. All right, Dave. We're gonna okay, so first of all, they've got this bong, this beer bong, this funnel. Most of y'all know what that is. And where normally you remember... For those of you in the South, you remember you used to go to Panama City Beach and every store would have these funnels. It would have a pretty big hose, I guess, at three quarters or an inch size hose, rubber hose connected to a large funnel, which is, I don't know how to gauge it, a foot, foot and a half wide. These things were pretty big and you could knock down a beer in just a matter of seconds through these. This funnel, on the other hand, it's connected to a snorkel, which has probably got like a half-inch opening or something. And the funnel on the end of the snorkel is the same funnel that you would use to put oil in your car. It's one of the small ones. Anyway, 
I just needed to point that Do out. Do a champagne snorkel bong. You ready, Captain? I'm ready. All right, Dave, are you ready? This is creative. Let's hit right. it. There we go. Drink, 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 drink. Isn't that what they not, say? No, yeah. Some of you, oh. No, <laughs> drink, drink, drink. Isn't that what they say? Isn't that what all the kids say? Whoa. Yeah, that's not a good I don't think he's going to be able to work after this. Oh, wait. <laughs> he just drank a half a bottle of champagne. I don't think he's going to be able to work after this. They got one of the employees doing it. All right. They haven't quite made it to the CNN reporter, Randy Kay. Versace, what do you think? Oh. <laughs> she's still holding the dog named Versace, and she's asking the dog what he thinks or her. I don't want to assume the dog's gender. Right. Yeah, it's gonna be good. That's what I tell you. Do you think Versace should try it? No, but I think you should. And and now the dog. <laughs> do you think the dog should try it? You should. You should. No. All right. You know, I gotta hand Versace out. Gonna... No. No. Your agent. I'll, 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 I'll take the dog. Call Give my agent. Yeah, Randy, All right. Anderson Cooper is begging her not to do this. All right. I don't know. Well, I mean, I'm sure. Just, yeah. Sure. Really, just a little bit. All right. I got it. Yeah. 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 All right. You ready? You gotta hold it up. Uh, That's a bad idea. All right. This is not a good idea. Not a good idea. Oh yeah. yeah oh, that was an excellent oh. idea, actually. That was excellent. All right. <laughs> oh, jeez. He poured probably the equivalent of two shots of of champagne into the uh, into the funnel there. And then she spat half of it out as she pulled the snorkel out of her mouth. Give me the dog back. Give me the dog back. I got Versace yeah, till right. midnight. Now, now hand Six billion. Six billion. All right. All right. There you go. The we'll adventures of Versace. All right. To be continued. We'll see you. So I think, and this just hit me, I think Randy Kay is the same reporter that went to Colorado and uh, – smoke the weed in the limo do y'all remember that where she went on she's like i brought a gas mask with me so i didn't get a contact high but the gas mask has got a bong on the end of it i think she's the same one i'm not for sure but uh she looks like the same one what is wrong with cnn like why is cnn just so adamant about consuming alcohol and drugs on air and, and I don't know when this started. Did, did this just start in the age of Trump? Like, are they that miserable that they're having to cope with substance abuse now? And they have to do it so often, they, they, they don't even have time. To, they can't take a break just to go on air. Quit doing drugs and, and quit drinking long enough to do your job that they're just doing it on air now. Maybe that's what all this stems from. I don't know. I couldn't tell you. When we come back on the other side... I want to play you the part where Andy Cohen, and, and it's more of a montage because it's over the course of of like four hours. Andy Cohen and Anderson Cooper take shots of tequila every every hour, at the top of every hour throughout the broadcast. And Anderson Cooper, I thought he was going to pass out just from taking one shot of tequila. It was one of the most amazing things I saw on New Year's Eve. I'll play that for you when we get back on the other side. It's Over the Line, the podcast, overthelineshow.com. If you haven't signed up for our newsletter, make sure you do that when you go to the website. Scroll to the bottom, 
and hook it up. Also, all of our social media stuff is right there on the website, just to the right side when you pull it up. So make sure you add us on all those right there on OverTheLineShow.com. We'll be back with the first edition of 2019 right after this. life with no need for the breaks something happens when i lean on my mistakes if the words are true and the words reveal the same i come alive when i don't even think southern border and I will have Mexico pay for that war. Taller. I come from the land of wheat and 
The number here, by the way, 646-668-2714 if you want to get in. That number's on the website. It's on the Facebook page as well. You can actually just hit the call now button, and uh, it'll hook you up. I've kind of enjoyed the weather over the past few days, even with the rain, because it's kept it from being soaked freaking cold out here but now it's getting cold again so i'm back with the heater anyway again 646-668-2714 as i mentioned on the other side i've got some i've got the audio from anderson cooper and andy cohen taking shots and this is like four minutes long and you know how i am i have to stop and start willy back and forth because uh i can't keep my mouth shut but this is just absolutely fantastic because so andy cohen i guess this is his idea and he's like all right so what we're going to do is we're going to take shots at the top of every hour and then he brings it out and anderson cooper takes a shot and he's like oh it burns so bad <laughs> This is so good. All right, so here it is. New Year's Eve, CNN doesn't get any better than this. Prepare yourself because this is good. Good stuff. Anderson Cooper, Andy Cohen, Times Square. That's not going to be it. Let's try a different video, see if we can pull that off. Oh, they're going to throw an ad at me. That's perfect. That's uh, my favorite. That probably happens to me more than it should. No amount of preparation is going to keep that from happening. 
just in case you are wondering, it looks like it's for a uh, a blender. Maybe even a Keurig. I can't tell. It's horrible advertising. I don't even know what this is. Anyway, here we go. Yeah, I, I, before we begin, we're going to be on for four and a half hours. So let's just set a couple rules. We, uh, if you're not driving anywhere, uh, we want you to... Uh, well, I brought shots. We're, we're going to have some shots. I brought shots. I'm not a big Top drinker. Top of every hour. Top of He's every hour. You feel like joining us at home. Cheers, but don't drink and drive whatsoever. Yeah. Call a Lyft, call an Uber, get a cab, get a friend, get a car. All right. Cheers. Cheers. First yeah, one of the night. Yeah. Delicious. I feel better already. Anderson made me promise not to complain about the weather. You should see, you should see the faces that Anderson Cooper's making too. Oh, it burns. Oh. I feel I like was, my lungs are scorched. Good. What was that? Just the beginning. It was tequila. Mm. Uh, Ooh, yes, it's our hourly toast. Not making it any less another fun. Toast. Cheers. Cheers another if toast. you have at home. If you're Not if you're driving, but feel free to toast along with us. Absolutely. Um, you know what? Everybody ah, here seems to be having a great <laughs> time. He's not a big drinker. Ah, it's like burning your lungs. Ah, your lungs. Feels good to me. Welcome back. Hey, okay, Anderson Cooper is two shots in, two shots of tequila, which he's obviously never had tequila and has no idea what that is. And he's already drunk. And you can you can listen. You can hear him. You don't even have to watch it. You can hear him progressively getting more drunk as each shot passes by. Square, it is the top of the hour. The crowd is counting down to the top of the hour. So for us, the top of the hour means... Uh, another, another tequila shot. shot. This is number three. With us at home. Cheers. Cheers. Mm. You know what? Ah. That felt good. That felt good. <laughs> <laughs> For real? Are you kidding? <laughs> I, I don't drink. It's like it's medicine. It is. It yes. So at this point, Andy Cohen's getting mad. He's like, okay, come on. You're being dramatic. There's no way. You're if you if you take, you know, two or three shots of tequila, even if you're not a tequila drinker, a drinker at all, after you get to the second or third shot, it starts to 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 lighten up. It's not quite as bad. That's that's just how alcohol works. Not for Anderson Cooper though. I'd rather, I'd rather have NyQuil. No, not. Okay. In New Orleans as well, which is where we find Don Lemon and Brooke Baldwin. Boy, that shot is really messing you <laughs> up. I know. Uh, I just need to sit back. Randy Kay is in St. Bart's. Yeah. Oh, with that Versace dog. I am really enjoying you still trying to process this shot. You're, you're literally, I don't really drink. messed you up. Have you guys already started getting oh, your drinks on? Oh, yeah, I saw. I saw. Yeah. I think yeah. Anderson had a... Okay, so now they're talking to uh, Jack Black and Kyle Gass. Is Kyle Gass the other fat and bald-headed guy that was part of Tenacious D? I'm not sure. Anyway, that's who they've got on the screen now. And now those guys are hammering Anderson Cooper for being a pansy. Anderson. Anderson had his first drink, I think. I've... Let's I'm a total lightweight. I know. Right now, one shot. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, do you really have a shot of Jaeger? No, uh, they just did oh. all the imaginary shots. Now, will you guys right drink tonight? Uh, okay. Uh, okay, trash or pass glitter beer. I didn't know this was a thing. It's beer with glitter in it. I don't like glitter. I have to say, what? I know, I know, I know. 
a gay man that doesn't like glitter? Who is this? Take away the my gay card. New Year's Eve. Saying you don't like but glitter. glitter gets everywhere. It gets into everything, every nook, every cranny. That's the point. I do feel like we're standing in a shower right yes. now. You ever have situations where you're listening to two people talk, and they're just dramatic about everything, and the conversation just goes on far too long, like it should have ended long ago, but they're still going on, and they're still being dramatic, and you just cringe. Maybe that's just me. Actually, it probably is just me. But the conversations like this, whether it's Cohen and Cooper or it's anybody else, people I personally know, I cringe at these conversations. It drives me crazy. We are. Yes, we are. We're yeah. taking a cold yeah, shower. A cold yes. Shower. And I've been yeah. showering Anderson with tequila, so that's yeah. having mixed effects yeah, as well. Yeah. That is a beautiful shot. Let's celebrate the shot of our own. Oh, God. Tequila. All right. All right, let's go to, uh, let's check in with Don and Brooke, who are in, uh, in New Orleans. Don, Brooke, how are things there? What's going on? It's getting close. We're just about 45 minutes away from the New Year yeah, we here were in Times Square. Yeah. Oh, and they're wasted. And the ball has not even dropped, and they are wasted. From BB Rexa singing Imagine. The ball uh, dropped, fireworks. fireworks. It's, uh, it's all going to happen. New York, gonna New York. The audio equipment's starting to go out. Yes. I feel like you might get very emo. I feel like you might try to kiss me. I actually am not planning on that. <laughs> to tell you the truth. Uh, we are... <laughs> that was awkward. <laughs> Anderson's like, I feel like you're going to kiss me. Uh, Andy Cohen's like, no, probably not. And then Anderson Cooper starts leaning in for the kiss. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure you're going to kiss me. No, he didn't really do that. But that's what it seemed like. That was awkward. Few minutes from right now. Uh, oh, we're getting. We're we should have up. a final New Year shot. Oh no! I want to have a toast to you. Oh uh, no! You've been. I've had such a fun time hanging out with you this year. Fun time. Um, you sure you know what that? Kiss? I want you to work on your contentment. Okay. Okay. All right. I will. And uh, we're gonna have a great ne- yes. year next year. Yes, we will. Yes. Okay. Cheers. cheers. And cheers to you. Cheers, everybody. Oh no! Wow. All right. That one might start to hit me. <laughs> that is uh, that is so cringeworthy. <laughs> but I promised you guys. Did I not promise y'all that CNN would be providing some pretty good content for New Year's Eve? And that's it, right there. I can't complain. I'm uh, I'm glad they uh, they conduct themselves in that fashion. It's uh, it's good stuff. All right, outside all the New Year's Eve stuff, I, I need to uh, move on past that because. I could play you guys audio from New Year's Eve broadcast all day, all morning long. Um, We need to talk about this Mitt Romney stuff. As you know, the Washington Post, who is no friend of Trump, has uh, gotten with Mitt Romney and allowed him to write an op-ed for their publication. Uh, An op-ed that really goes after Donald Trump. And and this relationship between Trump and Romney will make your head spin if you've been trying to keep up with it. Most of you guys know, if if you agree with most of what I say, then you probably have known all along that Mitt Romney is a snake in the grass. And that never should Donald Trump have given him the time of day for anything from a... a interview for a cabinet spot endorsement whatever 
Donald Trump should have never done any of that. Those are those are some of the mistakes that Donald Trump has made. You know, they say people like people like us, we we don't ever criticize the president and we would agree with him no matter what he does. Uh, but they just ignore the things we disagree with him on. Mitt Romney is one of those. Um, so this op-ed comes out. And it talks about, let me see if I can find a quick synopsis on this. Um, it's a it's an op-ed that, that attacks Trump's character. And I don't have the headline of it in front of me, but uh, here's a couple of excerpts from the article. Mitt Romney, talking about Donald Trump, says his conduct over the past two years, particularly his actions this month, which he's talking about December, is evidence that the president has not risen to the mantle of the office. He said things like um, that Donald Trump has uh, his has been in a tailspin. His presidency has been in a, a tailspin towards the end of this year, as well as other things attacking just Trump's character in the uh, in the presidency. Trump responded to that as you know he always would. He said uh, just this morning. Here we go again with Mitt Romney, but not so fast. Oh, wait, hold on. I think there may be a typo. Here we go with Mitt Romney, but so fast. I think he meant not so fast. Maybe he didn't. Question will be, is he a flake? I hope not. Would much prefer that Mitt focus on border security and so many other things where he can be helpful. I won big, and he didn't. He should be happy for all Republicans be a team player and win. So, really, that wasn't much of, of an attack on Mitt Romney, especially when it comes to somebody writing bad things about Trump. He usually goes after him pretty hard. That was more of advice for Mitt Romney. Hey, just come on, man. Just be a team player. Well, I guess he did say, I won big and you didn't, and... Said he was another flank. Okay, maybe he did attack him. But he also put advice in there and said, listen, Republicans care about border security. There's so many things we care about. We don't care about obstruction. We don't care about uh, people bashing the president. Uh, th those, those don't help us. Those don't contribute to society. They don't help this country. What we care about is the actual issues that we've all cared about for so long. The only difference now is that Trump is in office Half of the country no longer cares about the issues they always cared about. They only care about removing Trump from office. That is evident when you go back and look at Democrats' stance on border security, a border wall, a border fence. They were all for it. Everybody was for it until Donald Trump announced he was running for president and said he wanted a wall. Then everybody was against it. If we can get back to a place where we're all for the same things, and, and, and back then, pre-Trump, and I would even say pre-Obama, we were all on the same page when it came to the big issues. National security, uh, economy, uh, you know, the way we handled our relationships with other countries. We were all, uh, for the most part, on the same page. But since Trump, there's been this divide, and the mainstream media has been the ultimate culprit in this. 
there has been a divide where half of the country has left what they always believed in. Which are those things? They've, they've left those concerns in the past. They no longer care about those things. And all they care about is, my girl lost, my candidate lost, and the other guy won. So I have to just, I have to rectify that situation before I can go back and start caring about issues that I always cared about in the past. That's where we're at. They solely, solely care. The number one and only issue they care about is removing Donald Trump. And that's why, when it comes down to it, once the Democrats, or I'm sorry, once Trump leaves office, whether that's in 2021 or it's 2025, uh, uh, whenever he leaves office, the day he leaves office, that will be the day the Democrats' identity, the identity of the Democrats, completely disappears. The identity of the Democrats will crumble right in front of them because they will no longer have anything to go on. They have invested themselves so deeply into hating Trump and removing him from office that they have no other platform to stand on. They have nothing. They have nothing to offer the American people. So what do they do when Trump's not there anymore? Hating on Trump's not going to work because he's, he's back to being a regular citizen. What are you going to do? Where, where are you guys going to go? What is your identity going to be when he's gone? Going back to Mitt Romney, I just want to give you the timeline of, of the relationship between Donald Trump and Mitt Romney. And I, I'm just going to start in 2012 where he was running for president against Barack Obama. So Mitt Romney comes up in 2012 and he begs and... According to Donald Trump, he begged for Trump's endorsement. He sought the endorsement, and he received it. So Donald Trump comes out, he says, I'm sticking up for Mitt Romney. Donald Trump was in the business of supporting Democrat candidates. But at that point, he had gotten sideways with Obama and wanted to see Obama getting beat. So he signs on to Romney's campaign, says, I endorse Romney, I hope he wins, blah, 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 blah. Nothing really happens in between there and then March of 2016, leading up to the 2016 election. That's when Romney delivers a speech in Utah devoted entirely to trashing Trump. Talking about Donald Trump's a phony, Donald Trump's a fraud, his promises are worthless, uh, they're as worthless as a degree from Trump University... He's playing the members of the uh, American public for suckers. He gets a free ride to the White House, and all we get is a lousy hat. Um, and that was unprompted. I'm sure that there were people behind the scenes, like John McCain and whoever else, that really pushed Mitt Romney in that direction. But Donald Trump wasn't out there taking shots at Mitt Romney, and that's what prompted him to do this. Donald Trump wasn't thinking about Mitt Romney. He may have said some things like, I oh, lost Obama, you know, whatever. Uh, it doesn't matter. It, none of that even, it, that's Donald Trump. That's what he does. 
But Mitt Romney comes out in 2016 and does that leading up to the 2016 presidential election. Now, this guy's a Republican. He's supposed to support the Republican Party. And at that point, Republicans, they knew, even if they didn't like Trump, that they had to get behind him because they did not want Hillary Clinton as president. Mitt Romney obviously didn't feel that way. So that stews. A battle starts with that. They're taking shots back and forth. Donald Trump wins the White House. And then in November of 2016, and y'all remember this, Romney, who was obviously just so humbled by Trump's victory, he offers to join the cabinet in the White House. He says, I want to be part of the team. He seeks the job of, what was it? The Secretary of State, I believe, is what he was looking to do. So he meets Trump in Trump Tower. It's getting 24-hour coverage because they're like, oh, these guys hated each other. And now Trump's like uh, thinking about giving him a job. Uh, Romney ends up not getting the job, but he sends out a statement praising Trump and thanking him for the opportunity. He says it was an honor to have been considered for, uh, for Secretary of State for a great country. My discussions with President-elect Trump have been enjoyable and enlightening. I have very high hopes that the new administration will lead the nation to greater strength, prosperity, and peace. Now, I said this back when those meetings happened, and I thought Donald Trump was playing Mitt Romney. I think he was trolling Mitt Romney to say, okay, let me let this guy think that he's going to get a job in my cabinet after he trashed me so viciously. And then be like, man, yeah, you're not really getting the job. I just wasted your time. Nonetheless, Mitt Romney, thank you so much, Mr. President, for the opportunity. I, I, I hope the administration is, is, uh, is, is going to do great things. Everything else in the past, that was just politics. And, you know, I didn't really mean it, whatever. Then, then you guys remember, in February of 2018, Romney ends up receiving Donald Trump's endorsement in the GOP primary for the U.S. Senate in Utah that he went on to win, and he accepts that endorsement. Donald Trump, February 19th, 2018, at 8.21 p.m., he says, Mitt Romney has announced he is running for Senate from the wonderful state of Utah. He will make a great senator and worthy successor to Orrin Hatch and has my full support and endorsement. Now, Donald Trump is either one of the most forgiving people or he is just the troll of all trolls. And I don't know which it is because I can lean in both directions. But nonetheless, February 2018, Donald Trump gives Mitt Romney his endorsement. Mitt Romney responds with this. Thank you, Mr. President, for the support. I hope that over the course of the campaign, I also earn the support and the endorsement of the people of Utah. Loving it. Just eating it up. Oh, I got the support of Donald Trump. I'm so excited. Now he's won that Senate seat in Utah. He's about to start back in the Senate uh, as of Thursday, if I'm not mistaken, tomorrow. And leading up to that, a day before he takes his Senate seat, he publishes an anti-Trump op-ed in, uh, in the Washington Post. 
an op-ed that declares, without irony, by the way, a president should demonstrate the essential qualities of honesty and integrity. Doesn't honesty and integrity have to involve, like, being consistent and not a complete hypocrite? Isn't that part of that whole thing? So anyway, Donald Trump begged the question of, is Romney going to be another flake? That is not a question that is actually the truth. Mitt Romney will be another flake. He'll be another John McCain. He may be worse than both of them. I have a feeling he will be. None of this, oh, thank you, Mr. President, for my endorsement, has never been sincere. It's never been genuine. Mitt Romney is a snake. He's always been a snake. He is a loser, and he is only going to cause problems for the Trump administration's agenda. He's a Democrat operative. That's all he is. So thanks, Utah. Thanks for screwing it up for all of us. We appreciate that. Morning Joe, wasting no time. Piping in on this op-ed this morning, Mika Brzezinski just elated that Mitt Romney would come and, and speak out on the issue. Just so excited. Right there on MSNBC. Here she is. This wall while we have a government shutdown. But let me just read the title of Mitt Romney's opinion piece that he wrote. <laughs> yeah. The president shapes the public character of the nation. Trump's character falls short. It's a big piece that he's written in the Washington Post. And it is searing. It is damning. If Oh, it's so searing. If... Trump thought he had a challenge in John McCain. If Trump thought there was a little challenge in Jeff Flake, uh, I get a feeling Mitt Romney is going to bring in a whole new dose of reality for this. I get a feeling. I actually agree with her. I I think Mitt Romney is going to be worse. But these people are like nails on a chalkboard. Mitt's run for president himself, and he didn't win. And you know what he decided to do? Serve anyway. And I think Trump is going to regret not talking him out of this. Um, There was some possibility he could have done that. Mitt Romney is making it very clear he's going to be much more than a thorn in President Trump's side. What's your gut on how that dynamic plays out? Oh, my goodness. Mitt Romney. A thorn in President Trump's side. I don't know. There's there's days I watch Morning Joe, and, and I struggle with who I should have compassion for since Joe and Mika live together. Like, even when they're done with the show, they still have to be together after that. And I try to figure out who suffers the most living with the other. Because I hear Joe and I'm like, man, Mika has got to literally want to punch him in the face every single day. And then I'll listen to Mika and I'm like, oh, God, poor Joe. How do y'all do it? Overthelineshow.com. That's the website. Make sure you hook that up. Phone number here, 646-668-2714. We will be back right after this. Y'all hang tight.
is the talk of the town today. There's no doubt about it. Everybody's talking about the op-ed. Everybody on the left and right obviously shining a different light on it. But he's getting the attention he wants. And, And it's, you know, I don't mean that in a way of he doesn't deserve the attention or the attention shouldn't be on him because of his op-ed because he's going to play a very important role in the Senate. 
I think a lot of us were relieved that Republicans went from 51 to 53 in the Senate. And during this last election, we were relieved that people like John McCain and Jeff Flake will no longer be a part of the Senate. But we have people coming in that uh, are like Mitt Romney. We have people that are already there that are flaky on some situations, whether that's Susan Collins or whoever. You never know which way they're going to go on certain issues. So the, the, the 53 majority in the Senate is not as as big of a deal as some of you guys may think. The Senate's not necessarily safe. And, and not that anybody's been harping on, oh, we won the Senate. Donald Trump has a little bit, let's be honest. Because the Democrats winning the House took away from that a little bit. But uh, the Senate and things getting through the Senate very easily... As far as the Trump agenda goes, uh, it's still very much in question. And I think Mitt Romney today has really brought that to light and really reminded the American people that there are plenty of snakes in the Republican Party. And this is exactly why the Republican Party doesn't conduct itself like the Democrat Party does. The Democrat Party is fall in line Follow the leader. We all vote the same. We all do everybody, all for one and one for all. Because everything is about party. If there's one good thing you can take away from how the Republican Party conducts itself, it's that they're all individuals and they all, maybe, they all do what they think is best for the country. Where Democrats are all hand in hand uh, doing... The same thing, sticking together, sticking up for their lobbyists and all this. Republicans have some that are like that, some that are not. And uh, it causes some things not to get done. That is a double-edged sword. Sometimes it's good. A lot of times it's bad. But it's what makes the Republican Party different. It's also, uh, on the on the side of the Senate and us gaining the 53 seats and then losing the House, it technically... Even if you take the loss in the House, is a win for Donald Trump during the midterms last year. Because if history had repeated itself, the Republicans would have lost a lot more seats in the Senate and in the House. They would have lost a ton of seats. Because whoever's in power, whoever takes power, whatever party they're affiliated with two years prior... They are the party that loses a lot of seats. Of course, nobody lost seats quite like Obama, but even before that, if Republicans are in power, they lose seats in Congress. If Democrats are in power two years in, they lose seats in Congress. It just happens. Every single time it happens. So it's technically a win, and it's not a win. Democrats still have control of the House. We're about to see this stuff come to a screeching halt. I've said time and time again, the bright side of this is the Democrats are going to have the opportunity to show the American people just exactly who they are and uh, put that on display leading up to 2020.
as they put people on the ticket like Pocahontas, Elizabeth Warren, which I still can't get over. Very excited about that, by the way. Imagine, and I don't think Elizabeth Warren could win the primary, but imagine Elizabeth Warren and Trump on a debate stage together in a general election leading up to the, uh, the 2020 election. How fantastic would that be? Anyway, outside of all that, we're in, I think, day 12 of the government shutdown. Is that right? Does anybody know? Is it day 12? Day 12 of the, of the government shutdown. And there have been reports left and right about what Donald Trump's going to offer, if he's going to come down on what he's asking for, if he's going to, uh, you know, he's going to fold, is he going to stick to his guns and keep the government shutdown going on and on. As you see, we're all still alive. Nobody's passed away. Nobody's died because of the government shutdown. The world is still spinning. Everybody still had a good Christmas, good New Year's, all that stuff. Even with the government shut down, but yet it's still shut down. And the Congress will convene. Uh, I guess they head towards Capitol Hill today. I know they officially start tomorrow, but this afternoon there's supposed to be some meetings with Donald Trump as they discuss this and try to move forward. I guess they want to attempt to come out swinging tomorrow and start the the new session with uh, reopening of the government. Who knows? But every bit of this has to do with the wall. 100% has to do with the border wall. And Democrats, and especially the mainstream media, are at a point where they're running out of arguments as to why they don't want a border wall. Because we know, and Democrats themselves know, that they're not fiscal conservatives. Democrats are not in the business of appropriating money conservatively. They're not in the business of, of working on the budget, the deficit, uh, the, the U.S. debt. They're not, they don't do that. They waste money. They are notorious for wasting money. Now, all of government wastes money. Republicans waste money, too. But Democrats are notorious for it. They are the biggest money wasters, the, 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 the biggest spenders to ever be in a position of power. That's what they're known for, and they've, they've, they've embraced that mantle, and they've ran with it. They want to give away uh, every, every sort of uh, welfare benefit that you could possibly do. They want to get it to as many people. They want, uh, they want to just throw money in every single direction and as much of it as they can. Now, they're pretending like they're these fiscal conservatives, and they're like, can't waste $5 billion on a wall? That's crazy. We've been tasked with spending the American people's tax dollars appropriately, all of a sudden, apparently. Um, I think they're starting to realize, at least in the media, that that excuse is not working. Because, again, everybody knows that the Democrats don't, they're, they're not responsible with U.S. taxpayer dollars. So I'm watching CNN, and it was uh, New Day. Allison Camarota, who is one of the hosts on there, starts talking about the reasons that Democrats can't come to an agreement with Trump on the wall. 
And it seems as though she's left this argument of we can't waste $5 billion. That's crazy. And she's moved on to something else. I want you to listen to this right here. This is absolutely precious. CNN's New Day, Allison Camarota uh, talking about the wall. 2019 is the year of the woman. <laughs> and we are launching it here this morning on New Day. It's great to see all of you. Oh, that's so funny. Happy New Year. I have been off work for a week, okay? And I can't begin to tell you all how from outside the news cycle, <clears throat> mm -hmm. looking in, how different it looks and how in some ways absurd this shutdown looks, this impasse looks. I had lost track of what exactly the president was asking for. Now, there's a little gold nugget in there, and that is, wow, the news cycle looks a lot different from the outside. What does that tell you? It tells you Allison Camerota, much like many others, are in this bubble where they don't realize what reality actually is, what the world is like for people like you and I that are just regular people leading regular lives. They don't know what that's like. They don't know what it looks like from the outside. She's like, wow, everything's so different. With his wall. So I went back uh, in time to see what it was he was asking for. And I realized the president has lost track of what he's asking for with his wall. So, A.B., here's where it started. When he was campaigning, the president, back then, Donald Trump said he wanted 1,000 miles of a concrete wall. Okay? Then he said uh, later it was going to be solid concrete from the ground to 32 feet high. Then he well, they just stopped it on us. Let's try that again. Oh, here we go. Changed it to 700 to 800 miles. Then he changed it to no, actually all we need are artistically designed steel slats. No more concrete wall. Then he said it has to be between 500 and 550 miles. A.B., how can anyone negotiate when this wall is a moving target? Right. Wow. Okay. So here's the new excuse for the Democrats. And I, the, the mainstream media is Democrats as well. CNN, Democrats. It's no longer about the money. It's about Donald Trump can't decide what he wants, so we can't negotiate. He keeps changing it, so we can't seem to, to come to an agreement because uh, every day it's something different and we have to start over. The reason that those things are changing is because they are negotiating. They're changing because Donald Trump is saying, well, what if I do this? Will you agree to a deal? What if I do that? What if we make it... What if we make uh, make the length shorter? What if we what if we uh, take it down to to five billion dollars? What if we take it to steel slats? Is it the wall? Is it the the word wall that that you're so against? Is it that we'll make it we'll make it concrete slats? We'll do steel slats. Whatever. He is trying to negotiate because he is a master negotiator. They'll tell you he's not, but he is. He's trying to negotiate with this, these people and find out what it is exactly that they are so against to get this border security done. Has nothing to do with him not being able to decide what he wants. He's trying to figure out what they want.
what they're so against. And that's the gift to the Democrats. Every statement from Senator Schumer, the Democratic leader in the Senate, is, oh, you know, we'll, we'll just wait to find what position the, the president lands on and we'll take seriously any publicly approved plan or consensus deal to reopen the government once we hear about it from right because we care about the american people president trump and until then you guys can keep flailing around people like mick mulvaney the acting chief of staff and senator graham uh, you know can come out and try to speak for the president and bob and weave and pretend there's something going on but actually what it seems is that the people around president trump are concerned about ending the shutdown and looking like they want to reopen the government and, and are concerned uh, about this politically, but the the president himself thinks it's a great fight, and he doesn't really care how long it goes on. But it's true when you listen to the people around him trying to back off a wall. He calls it steel slats. Uh, I remember a few weeks ago when they said, actually, Congress doesn't even have to fund it because we're going to sort of find some from the military and other parts of the government. Like they were going to find like a HUD slush fund <laughs> to get the steel slats going, which is hardly a wall Mexico is going to pay for. So if you hear Kellyanne call it silly semantics, and you hear Lindsey Graham call it a metaphor for border security. Um, you combine that with the John Kelly interview and you know there really is no wall, uh, but he needs something that's face saving that he can walk away. Now, here's what the Democrats keep going with. that This has nothing to do with border security. It's all about Trump having a campaign promise that he's trying to fulfill. And he's fulfilled many campaign promises. They won't admit that, but and they've spent so much time talking about how he lied to everybody and he's he has no intentions of filling campaign promises, but in the same breath, they will talk about how hard he's trying to fulfill a campaign promise. They're right in the sense of he is trying to fulfill a campaign promise, but the campaign promise was a promise of security for this nation. Does he have to get a wall to survive politically, yes, he has to get a wall. But it's more than just trying to survive politically. Because guess what? If Donald Trump doesn't win the presidency in 2020, we're the ones who suffers. He does not. He goes back to his life of a billionaire. And he'll be perfectly fine. He gets back to doing what he's always done. We, however, we suffer the repercussions of whoever does take office, whether that's an Elizabeth Warren or a Kamala Harris or a John Kerry or a Joe Biden. We're the ones that suffer. He does not. So you've got to ask yourself, why is he so adamant about this stuff if it's not for actual border security? People say, it's his ego, whatever. Donald Trump's got an ego, possibly one of the biggest ones we've ever seen. But there is some genuine concern and some real desire to do the things for this country that are the right things to do. And they're very basic things. Well, you know Donald Trump used to be a Democrat. Yeah, I do know that. And Democrats used to be for a wall. Democrats used to be for those mainstream issues that we could all agree on. We had our differences. We disagreed on abortion, or at one time gay marriage, or what, whatever else. We disagreed on some things. But we all agreed on national security. We all agreed on the way we treat 
foreign countries, the way we conduct ourselves all over the world. For the most part, we agreed on those fronts. Democrats and Republicans on the same page. So Donald Trump's just taking the things that he's always believed in and says, hey, I don't know where the Democrat Party's gone, but they left me. So I'm going to go over here and I'm just going to do my thing. I'm going to do the stuff that I've always stood up for. It's just like uh, Donald Trump pulling out of uh, pulling out of Syria. He said, I am sick of the United States being in these never-ending wars. I'm sick of it. I don't want our military men and women being in these never-ending wars. He actually uh, sent out a tweet, said, If anybody but Donald Trump did what I did in Syria, which was an ISIS-loaded mess when I became president, they would be a national hero. ISIS is mostly gone. We're slowly, slowly sending our troops back home with their families, while at the same time fighting ISIS remnants. I campaigned on getting out of Syria and other places. Now when I start getting out the fake news media or some failed generals who are unable to do the job before I arrive like to complain about me and my tactics, which are working. Just doing what I said I was going to do. Expect the results are far better than I ever said they were going to be. I campaigned against the never-ending wars. Remember, I am the only person in America who could say that I'm bringing our great troops back home with victory and get bad press. It is fake news and pundits who have failed for years that are doing the complaining. If I stayed in endless wars forever, they would still be unhappy. He's exactly right. He is simply doing what he said he was going to do. And these are the things that he said well before he was on the campaign trail. He said, let's get out of these wars. Democrats, same thing. Let's get out of these wars. These pointless, endless wars. Let's get out of them. We can do it in a more efficient way. We can fight these terrorists in a more efficient way. Now Donald Trump's doing exactly what he said, and people are losing their ever-loving mind. Just like uh, General McChrystal, who was doing an interview, I think, on uh, ABC. Let's see. Where was that at? It was an interview over the weekend on ABC. Yeah, I'm not sure what... uh, what show it was, but he was being interviewed and he was asked uh, about Donald Trump and and McChrystal said that Donald Trump is uh, dishonest and that if he were offered to work in the Trump administration, which is an offer that has not been made, he said he would reject it. So they asked him if he found Trump to be immoral and he responded... I think so. Now, it's important to understand that McChrystal is a former Obama administration official. He headed up the the Joint Special Operations Command in Afghanistan. He apparently criticized the president and praised uh, outgoing Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis for openly opposing Parker part of Trump's military strategy. But Donald Trump responded 
to that interview by saying General McChrystal got fired like a dog by Obama. <laughs> you remember that whole thing? Fired like a dog. Last assignment was a total bust known for his big, dumb mouth, Hillary lover. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Uh, another Obama crony coming after Donald Trump. And, of course, the, the press eats it up. They eat this stuff up. It's it's popular for people to come out and go against Donald Trump. It's just the thing to do. If you're washed up, if you're has-been, if you're a former administration official, the best thing to do to get your name back out there is to just go on TV and bash Donald Trump. It's just what they do. And in this case, that's all that was. They criticized Trump for doing what he said he's going to do, which is the exact same things they supported three, four, five, ten years ago. The same exact things. And the American people see through this stuff. The American people see that the Democrats supported this stuff for so long, and now they're scratching their head as to why they oppose it now. Because middle America... They want those things still. Even though the Democrats no longer want want it, uh, the American people still want that border security. They want that national security. They want all the things that we've always collectively wanted. And they're wondering why the Democratic Party has left them. And all of a sudden they're against all those things that we supported. The number here... 646 2714 Also, over the All of our social media is on there, so make sure you hook that up. Go like the Facebook page, the Twitters, the Instagrams, all that stuff. It's right there for you. And uh, get after it. Make it happen. Merch shop coming soon on there as well. We're going to be on top of that, so... Make sure you keep an eye out for that. Quick break. Coming back on the other side. More of Over the Line. This first episode of 2019. Hang tight.
I know that you got opinions, but won't you consider this? Your skin tone oppresses millions, so just quiet down a bit. Come join me in gender studies, come get a useless degree. And when you make garbage money, take no responsibility. Come be PC, come be PC. Things are so splendid when you're offended, take it from me. We're fighting for progress, can't you see? Silencing all who might disagree. So respectfully, be a cry bully, come be PC. Come join us in our safe spaces, our shelters from points of view. And maybe on rare occasions, we'll let you think something new. But if we deem your thoughts toxic, we might have to shut you down. And if you critique our logic, better use our preferred pronouns. Come be PC. Come be PC. Our low-key racism is heroism, obviously. Let's all fight for the little guy From our parents' mansions online Come join our prison, look what you're missing Come be PC Come be PC We're a collective, varied perspectives must go unseen Different opinions are okay As long as they're different in the same way Come join our cult, it's not difficult Oh, come be PC Continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. America great again. Obama, you're fired. All I do is win, win, win. No matter what, got money on my mind. I can never get enough. And every time I step up in the building, everybody can go up. And they stay there. And they stay there. And they stay there. Up, down, up, down, up, down. Because all I do is win, win, win. And if you're going in, put your hand in the air, make them stay there. Unbelievable. He would be the best president.
Overthelineshow.com 646-668-2714 Your first episode of 2019 Happy New Year, y'all Happy New Year to all the people listening to this show live Don't forget you can check out the show Especially if you've missed part of it on Apple Podcast, on Spotify. Those are uh, available on the website, but also on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter. You can find them all there. We try to post those on a regular basis. But if you'll go to Apple Podcast, find our channel, or if you go to Spotify, find our channel, and follow those, you can check them each and every day for the new episodes. They go up between 12 and 1 o'clock. Just within the hour after the show each day. We get those up pretty fast for you. So take advantage of them. Share share them with your friends. The more people we have listening to these shows, the more we can get the truth out, the more we can um, make money and stuff. There's that part, too. All right. uh, I need to talk about this real quick. We've only got 20 minutes or so left. Elizabeth Warren, who, as you guys know, Monday announced that she will be running for president in 2020, which I think a lot of us are very excited about. Um, she is already it, it, it kills me trying to envision what it's like to be surrounded by Democrat advisors trying to tell you what you need to do to connect to the American people, because I picture just a bunch of nerdy people standing around saying, oh, you need to use this Twitter thing. Or you need to post pictures on Instagram. That's what the people love. That's how you get the young people to vote. Elizabeth Warren obviously has those people around her because she decided, and I, this was, let's see, yeah, this was Monday night. She decided to get on, on Twitter or Periscope, which are one and the same, and do a live stream from her kitchen. And it was just kind of like a, a Q&A thing, apparently, where she just wanted to chat with voters or whatever. So she's in her kitchen, and she's cooking dinner, and then she pulls out a beer and starts drinking a beer. Which was one of the most awkward images I've ever seen. I haven't watched the actual live stream. I've seen photos of it that show her twisting the top off the beer and then drinking it. It just, it, it was, it was so disingenuous, but it was just, it was hilarious to watch because we know Elizabeth Warren is the, uh, the angry librarian or the angry kindergarten teacher. She's real quiet, but she's always mad. She's always angry about something. So she does this live stream from her kitchen just to show everybody, hey, look at me, I'm a normal person. 
Look at me. Here is uh, some of that. I've got uh, about a minute or two of the live stream. And again, I just looked this up. I haven't listened to it yet. But I want to play it and just see kind of kind of what the feel was of Elizabeth Warren's first little live stream as a presidential candidate. Hold on a sec. I'm going to get me um, a beer. <laughs> Lover, my husband Bruce is now in here. Um, oh, would you look you at that? No, I'll pass on the beer for now. You sure? <laughs> so, our husband's like, no, I don't want a beer. I, I don't want to look like a tool bag in your live stream. This is my sweetie. Hello. Um, he's, and I'm oh, crazy. I love you. I love you too. She's, she's like slapping him on the rear end. Thank you for being here. Pleasure. I'm glad you're here. Yeah, enjoy your beer. Who have we got here so far? Um, Skylar? Uh, and 14 others. Hello, Denise. <laughs> Skyler and 14 others? Wait, you should got 15 people on her live stream? Hi. Fortnite? Good to see you. Who else have we got? <laughs> oh, look, that's a cool name. Fortnite. How are you? Uh, Kenny? Is that right? Kenny and the boys? I'm glad to see you. Is that a greeny goddess? Wow. That's a name I'd like to have. <laughs> So, or as my mother always referred to me, uh, the surprise. You know, you know, you know, you know, it's one of the things that, that uh, we had to decide was when to do this. I never thought I was going to run for politics, any kind of elected office. So who else have we got here? Darth? It's good to see you, Darth. I'm glad you're here. It's almost as if she thinks that everybody's name, screen name on the the live stream is like their actual name. Oh, Darth, how are you? I really like your name. You know, that's what gets me in this fight. That's what makes me excited. So here's to 2019 and changing the world. Happy New Year. Bye-bye. <laughs> she couldn't figure out how to cut it off. That is so good. Oh, Lord. Lord help. I I've got to figure out how to get my hands on that entire live stream. That was just a montage somebody put together on, uh, I just found it on Google. So you can Google it. If you want to watch that, it's, uh, it's up there. You can check it out. Oh, Fortnite. How are you, Fortnite? What a cool name. She's not the first to do this, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has done this as well. I haven't watched that. Apparently, Beto O'Rourke has done the live stream stuff. None of those, uh, neither of those have I seen. So maybe she's just following suit. Or maybe they've just got all the same people advising them. Or maybe Ocasio-Cortez was like, listen, uh, listen, Liz. You know what's really helping my popularity? You know how I got elected? Live streaming. I really think you should do that. Oh, that sounds so neat. But they're all ironically cooking while they do these. And they're not cooking because they just happen to be cooking at the time. They're cooking because they're trying to let you know they're regular people. They're like, Maria, here's $20. Go down the street. I'm cooking dinner tonight. 
I don't have a maid. I cook myself. Look, I'm doing it right here on this live stream. <laughs> so awkward. You know what else is awkward? Telling kids that abortion is a-okay. Kids that really um aren't very old, which means they're they're not they're not that much older than um, the kids that are being aborted. There's a video out there right now that has this feminist. This uh, she's a leader of a movement that uh, urges women to to brag about having an abortion. Um, I don't really know who she is. Her name's Amelia Bonow. Bonow. I don't know. She created the whole shout your abortion thing that we've we've talked about that in the past. Uh, she's now put out a video where she's sitting down with children from what seems maybe the ages of eight to thirteen or fourteen or whatever. And she sits them down, not to just talk about the issue of, of abortion, but basically tell them and convince them that abortion is A-OK. And they should be uh they should be in the business of of thinking like she does. Tell your friends that abortion's okay. Do y'all want to hear some of this some of this video? I've got it here. I've got every video of all time right here. I won't play the whole thing, but uh, this is part of it. Let me see if I can hook this up. I guess I need to actually plug this into our machine if you want to listen to it, not just play it off my iPad. So let's try that one more time. Do you think that sometimes it's not okay to have an abortion? I want to say if, like, if you're being reckless, if there's nothing wrong going on. I don't know. I just don't agree. Hmm? The look of horror on the uh, kids' face. What are we here to talk about today? today? <laughs> well, I had an abortion. Oh. Hmm. So what do you know or what have you heard about abortion? I don't exactly know what happens, but like you go and basically get rid of the baby from inside you. How, what have you heard? That. Same thing. Have you ever talked to somebody about abortion before? I actually wrote a paper in fifth grade about it. Wow. Oh, is that what we got our kids doing in fifth grade now? Good call, teach. Yeah. What's your paper about? Abortion is okay. Uh-huh. And it also depends on, like, what's happening and why they got, they got the abortion. So yeah. you think it's okay depending on the circumstances? Yes. Hmm. Why did you have an abortion? A few years ago, I got pregnant. And I... You notice how she thought it was a crazy idea for this kid to say that an abortion should depend on the situation and shouldn't be decided by just the, the woman. Like, if she wants to have an abortion for no other reason than she wants to have an abortion, she thinks that anything that's not that line of thinking is, is absolutely absurd. Crazy talk really didn't want to have a baby. May I ask, what happened? Did he not wear a condom? Did the condom break? Was it pre-ejaculation? Such good questions, Vanessa. Vanessa. Um, Thank you. He wasn't wearing a condom. How do you feel when you're sitting here talking to very young kids about this? You proud of yourself? You excited to do this? Well, I wasn't wearing a condom. Have you ever had two options and one of them, like, 
seems easier at the time. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you could take a shortcut or yeah. you could go the long way It was way the shortcut around. version. Mm. What did your partner think at the time? You know, I think we were both like bummed out that I got pregnant and he was just like, Oh, I'm pregnant, what a bummer. Ah. Time to go to the clinic. Supportive of what I wanted to do. Were you reckless at the time? Um, I mean, I don't, I wouldn't really say that I was being reckless. Don't worry, we knew right off the bat that you uh, are not in the business of accepting responsibility for anything. So we don't expect you to admit you're reckless. You didn't accept the responsibility of raising that child. So um, that was a dead giveaway. Mistakes happen. Yeah. And, and sometimes you just don't do that in the moment. You know what I mean? I don't know. I'm glad. <laughs> when you have an abortion, what exactly do you do to like have the abortion? You go to the doctor and they put this little straw inside of your cervix and then inside of your uterus and then they just suck the pregnancy out. And oh. it was like a crappy dentist appointment or something. It was just like, ah, this is like a body thing that's kind of uncomfortable, but then it was over and I felt really just grateful that I wasn't pregnant anymore. Wow. Wow. First of all, the, I know you guys can't see this, but the look of horror on these children's faces as she explains this, and she explains it in a way that they think about it. Uh, it's just a straw that's, you know, it's uncomfortable and they stick it inside of you and they just suck the, the bad thing out and then it's just over. It's just, it's like an uncomfortable dentist appointment. I've gone into many an internet argument about it. Facebook, Instagram, yeah. just all the social media. That's the media place where really, that goes down. It's so taboo to a lot of folks and I don't mm -hmm. know why. Do you think that sometimes it's not okay to... By the way, that... that child right there <laughs> needs a little bit of parenting you should have seen how she was dressed she had paint all over her face and and nose rings an abortion which i hate on y'all if i got nose rings that's fine but this girl is like 12. i want to say if like if you're being reckless if there's nothing wrong going on i don't know i just don't agree do we want people to just have all those babies no so what do we do with them Put them up for adoption. I feel like if I am forced to create life, mm -hmm. I have lost the right to my own life. I should be the one to decide. Forced to create life. You hear this? No responsibility being accepted. I didn't do anything wrong to get pregnant. It's not my fault. It's somebody else's fault. So I shouldn't have to suffer the consequences of raising a child. If my body creates a life, even if you're giving a kid up for adoption, you still like have a kid out there somewhere, you know? Yeah. Are you religious at all? I believe in God. Mm -hmm. What do you think that God thinks about abortion? If I were to say, I think like he's fine with it because there are still babies being born. Mm -hmm. What do you think God thinks about abortion? Oh, it's, it's good. We got we got plenty of babies. It's fine to kill some of them. I think it's all part of God's plan. 
that's that's smarter than what I said. <laughs> I really was just thinking. Of yeah, I can't listen to any more of that. That that's only like half the video. Um, but again, this is the same lady that created the campaign "Shout Your Abortion," encouraging women to get on Twitter and social media and brag about their abortion and uh, be proud of it. A proud moment. Now, those on the left seem to be confused about how they feel about abortion. Because some days they'll say it's such a hard and traumatizing thing and to, to, to chastise these women or belittle them or make them feel less than for having an abortion. It's an awful thing because they're already going through so much. And then the next day, leftists will be like, oh, I'm so proud to have an abortion. It was the best thing ever. I'm so happy. Let me brag about it. So which is it? Are you proud of it? Or it, was it an awful traumatic situation where nobody should say anything to you about it? Which I, I can't. I can't keep up. I cannot keep up. Nonetheless, uh, there's that. I knew you guys would want to uh, hear about that, so take that for what it's worth. We may post that video for you guys to watch on the Over the Line Facebook page after the show uh, so you guys have some viewing content on this rainy, rainy day. Abortion is is murder. There's, there's no doubt about it. I mean, a life is a life, a murder is murder, and whatever spin you want to put on it after that, be my guest. Uh, but speaking of murder, do you know what the leading cause of death in 2018 was? Was it the flu? Was it gun violence? Was it school shootings? Was it crazed Nazi white supremacist Trump supporters running over people with their car? No, it was actually abortion. In 2018, 41 million lives were taken by abortion. 41 million. Which makes it the leading cause of death in 2018. A lot of those, a lot of those deaths were funded by you, the taxpayer. And on this abortion issue, I never, when I'm, I'm debating someone on the issue, I never start with whether abortion is morally right or wrong. I don't even get into that, and it normally never even gets to that point. Where I start that is where I think everybody should start talking about the issue with one another. You, the average American, or... Politicians in Washington, D.C. Where the conversation should start in this country is, is it appropriate for the American people to fund, at the tune of $500 million a year, is it appropriate for the American people to fund the organization Planned Parenthood? Where in some cases, in some clinics... They have completely eliminated all women's health services besides abortion. And in others, 
they don't have things as simple as a mammogram machine. I don't know if that's changed over the past year or two, but there was one point they none of them had mammogram machines. Seems like that would be one of the big hot ticket items you would have at a, at a women's health clinic. So let's start the conversation there and say, okay, We'll talk about abortion being moral or immoral or murder or not murder here in a few minutes, but let's first start as to why we're funding Planned Parenthood. Because you're telling me that you shouldn't be burdened with your tax dollars going towards something that you don't want, like a border wall. Why do we have to send our tax money to a place that we don't want in Planned Parenthood, a very corrupt organization, $500 million a year. $500 million a year. That's what we're paying Planned Parenthood as they are the leading cause of death in 2018, $41 million. 41 million deaths. So next time you get in a fight with somebody on Facebook or Twitter or whatever on that particular issue, start it there. Start it with, tell me why we should be funding Planned Parenthood. Can we figure out a way to stop that and then we can move on to the other part of it? You might make a little headway. Who knows? And you may not. All right, guys, that's it for today. I don't really have anything else to talk about. A lot of cool football over the weekend. Um, as you saw, uh, Alabama and their win, which I think we kind of talked about that on Monday. But over the past two days, New Year's Eve and New Year's Day, there was some good football. You saw UCF. The, the reigning national champions, according to them, who have been on a two-year winning streak, uh, finally got beat by LSU. Uh, you had a mascot fight between the, the big bull mascot of the Texas Longhorns and the small Georgia Bulldog mascot. Um, a frenzy broke out, and the bull started charging at the Bulldog, which was exciting was exciting. Georgia ultimately lost that game. Uh, as a lot of us have been screaming from the rooftops, Georgia deserved to be in the playoffs. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that, even though they lost to Texas in the bowl game. Uh, I think they were just disappointed they didn't make it, so they didn't give their, their full effort. Nobody's played Alabama like Georgia has. I think you should have put Georgia and Alabama against each other in that first playoff game. Make it a revenge game, and then you could avoid Georgia and Alabama being in the national championship together again for two years in a row. Instead, you've got Alabama and Clemson, which did just happen two years ago and the year before that. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, and also on that front, you've got a sports writer, a gay sports writer for SB Nation. He put out an article taking a swipe at the Peach Bowl because the Peach Bowl is sponsored by Chick-fil-A. He said the company is famously operated by devoutly Christian owners and that 
allowing them to sponsor the Peach Bowl is a, quote, big F you to the LGBTQ people. I don't know when people are going to realize this, leftists, uh, uh, the LGBTQ crowd, whatever. They've got to realize that people aren't going to accept your liberal, progressive ways in their sports. Whether it's kneeling or it's taking shots at at Chick-fil-A and sponsors or whatever, they're not going to deal with it. Sports people are not going to deal with that crap. They're not going to do it now. They're not going to do it tomorrow, next week, next year. So you might as well hang it up. Find something else to ruin. Don't ruin our sports. I'm out of here, y'all. We made it to 2019. We got 363 days to go. Excited for what this year is going to entail. Hope you guys are as well. We'll be back tomorrow, 10 a.m., right here live on YouTube and the podcast. Check it out on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Look us up. Also, overthelineshow.com. All of our information is on there. Social media. Sign up for the newsletter. Get emails regarding the show and when and where we will be next. Until tomorrow, see you, cuz.